Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and joining me here, as always, in this garage, where the motto is, if we don't got it, you don't need it, here is the captain. And we definitely don't have it. It's good to be seen and good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. This week, we are very happy and excited because we are featuring a beer from one of our favorite East Coast breweries. Today, we are drinking Trailbound by Asheville's original craft brewery, Highland Brewing. Trailbound is a new and delicious beer from Highland. It's a hazy, juicy ale with notes of citrus and soft melon. ABV 5.8% garage grade four and a half bottle caps out of five. And let's give some thanks and praise to our friends for helping us out with this week's show. Yeah, a big We Like Your Jib goes out to Jen Vaughn in Queens, New York. And also, we have a shout out to our friend Holly from Orlando, Florida. Orlando, Florida, host of this year's Crime Con. Come out and see the Colonel if you have the opportunity. Everybody we just mentioned, they went to our website, truecrimegarage.com. They clicked on the pint glass, which helped us out with this week's beer fund, which funded the beer run. Yeah, B-W-E-R-R-U-N, beer run. If you haven't left a five-star review on Apple iTunes podcast do so it really helps out the show and colonel that's enough of the business all right everybody gather around grab a chair grab a beer let's talk some true crime is frequently imagined as a personified force, most often personified in the male form. In some mythologies, a character known as the Grim Reaper causes the victim's death when coming to collect that person's soul. In a short period of just eight months, someone was killing people on the streets of Little Rock, Arkansas. A monster, perhaps. Between August of 2020 and April of 2021, four people were viciously cut and stabbed in the dark of the night. Three of the attacks proved fatal. Some have suggested that because the prey is nocturnal, he hunts at night. Then I ponder the opposite. Because he is nocturnal, the monster hunts at night. Hiding in the shadows, watching, waiting for a vulnerable prey to cross his path. Captured on camera, the monster appears to be less beast-like and more of that of a wraith, a shadowy, ghost-like image seen shortly before or after the murder takes place. His preferred method of death, slashing and stabbing the victims. Their blood warms his blade and stains his clothing. The victim falls to the ground and the wraith, this nocturnal monster, moves into the darkness. The attack cools his anger and calms his hostile brain. Be it bayonet, blade, dagger, sickle, or sword, he cleans his blade and hides his face, 
He is a terrorist of the streets of Little Rock. But this nocturnal monster, this wraith, did not go out into the night to collect a soul, but rather to take a life. This is True Crime Garage, and this is the still unsolved case of the Little Rock Slasher. According to the police report, an officer responded to a subject down call. The call comes into emergency services just after 2 a.m. This is on Monday, August 24th, 2020. Officer Dillard from the Little Rock Police Department's 52nd District is the one responding, and he is at the scene very quickly. The location is 2200 South Gaines Street in the great city of Little Rock, Arkansas. Now, it's important to know that the offense or whatever it is that happened, our officer does not know when he's arriving on the scene, but it's over with when he gets there. The offense is completed, as they say in police speak. This means we have a subject down, and if there is a suspect, the suspect is nowhere to be found. Nothing is in progress. The officer could tell it was too late. Actually, it was too late for this victim when the call came in. The victim was determined to be 64-year-old Larry McChristian. Larry McChristian is DOA. His address is 425 Marion County Road in Yellville, Arkansas. Now, this is about a two and a half hour drive from where his body is found by the responding police officer. Now, I'm not going to lie, Captain, this address confuses me and the distance our victim is from his reported address, which is a single family property that was last sold in 2021. The distance between where his body is located after this call and where he is from his residence is a bit bizarre being it's a two and a half hour drive. And this man appears to have been on foot. Larry McChristian, our victim who was attacked and found dead on arrival by little rock, Arkansas police department. When they respond on the scene, if I'm law enforcement, I want to know why he's in this area and why he's so far away from his residency. Our responding law enforcement officer categorizes this incident as an aggravated assault homicide with major injury, and the suspect is unknown, motive unknown. The weapon used was determined to be a knife or a cutting instrument. So we have multiple stab wounds here in this case. The homicide and crime scene units were brought in immediately. The Pulaski County Coroner's Office arrived, and Mr. Christensen's body was taken to the Arkansas State Crime Laboratory for an autopsy. So, unfortunately, we have 64-year-old Larry Eugene McChristensen. He was found having been stabbed to death on the porch of a person that police said he did not know. The call came in from someone passing by. Apparently, McChristensen was reported missing two days prior to this incident. The circumstances of who reported him missing and why are not known. But what is 
also unclear is the time of death here. If McChristensen, if his whereabouts were unknown for approximately two days, 48 hours roughly, where was he during this time period? And for how long was he dead before the Little Rock Police Department responded to the call that came in that night? Well, like you said, first sign of bizarre is that his body's found two hours away from his residence. Number two on the list of bizarre, he's found on a porch of somebody they don't believe he knew. Or was he attacked on the street or sidewalk and then attempts to go for help and then collapses on the porch? Yeah, that's a good point. The other indicator here too, Captain, it's not stated in the report and it's not stated online anywhere, but it would seem to stand to reason that police identified the 911 caller because they do state that the person that called emergency services was a passerby. So either somebody walking by that sees this man or hears this man in pain or driving by and witnesses this situation. But again, what we don't have, what is unclear, there's there's a little bit that's been released from the autopsy, and that is that this, in fact, is a homicide, one, and two, that the manner of death is the result of cutting and stab wounds from a knife or a cutting instrument. Now, what is unclear is if they were able to determine a, a time of death, because with that, that two days that he's missing, it's not completely out of the realm of possibility that he may have laid there for a period of time before a call even came in. Right. Definitely. Another thing that you have to add to the bizarre list is what was his activities and what was his timeline in those two days that he was basically missing. And I'm going to throw this out there. This is, I would put this more in the rumor category rather than fact. So take it for a grain of salt, but it is, it has been stated that he may have been missing from an, uh, a home, but the, but again, the address that I traced him to was listed as a single family home. So I don't know if this is a silver alert situation you know, where we have a, a a person that's up there in years and they go wandering off. Um, again, the, the details of his disappearance is unclear. Well, and you can keep your residency and then be placed into a home. So it's possible that, you know, but again, there, there, there's already a pile that's developing of just bizarre things in this case. Well, and spoiler alert, you can tell from from today's trailer and the title of these episodes that we are talking about a serial offender. And one thing that we are going to find consistent throughout this timeline and throughout these attacks is one thing working in the favor, sadly working in the favor of this serial offender is there are a lot of blank spots in the information that not just came out, but I would believe information available and details about these crimes available to the persons investigating these crimes. Now, Little Rock Police Department, they would have better information on these t- details, the, the ones that we've just stated that we find to be bizarre or confusing. So maybe they've been in, able to fill in some of these blanks. But more importantly, LRPD, they do catch a little bit of a break here in this investigation. This is when they discover portions of the attack on Mr. Christensen 
that were caught on security cameras belonging to the homeowners in this general area where McChristensen was found. So this is going to help them with a couple of things. This will help them determine time of death. This will help them to determine the time of the attacks. We get the information we get is what time the call came in, what time the officer responded on the scene. And then later we get a public warning from Little Rock Police Department that states that these attacks, this series of attacks all occurred during this time window, you know, from from this hour to this hour on these different dates. Well, obviously, this is one of the things that technology is doing to really help law enforcement. But what do you think law enforcement learns by capturing this murderer on surveillance? This is something that I absolutely love here, Captain. We're talking about keeping everybody safe, right? And also detecting and figuring out who the perpetrator is of these horrific and violent crimes. And in this case, a homicide. You know, we talk so much about the advancements in technology and how that's working out for the good guys and not in the favor of the bad guys with DNA and things like that, genealogy detection work. That's great. But where we're also seeing a big benefit you know, just another couple of tools to put in your Batman utility belt here to fight off the bad guys is these ring doorbell cameras, uh, companies like Simply Safe and ADT that are putting surveillance cameras on residences and businesses. And then, of course, the smartphones, the advancements in cell phones. So these are also things that are overlooked when people talk so much about DNA and genealogy detection work. These cell phones and home security cameras are solving a lot of crimes, maybe even more than DNA is in the current day. So here in this situation, the footage captured images of the actual attacker. So you could see the attacker heading toward Gain Street. But then he, we will later find out that this is a male attacker. Then later he stops, he stabs McChristensen. Then the attacker takes off and it's described as he's walking away. Now, to me, there's always something so much more frightening when the description is or the video shows the attacker slash killer just calmly walking away from the victim. To me, that's a special kind of evil. But here, that's not it, because, no, the attacker then stops. You would think he's calmly walking away, fleeing the scene. No, he stops and decides to turn around. He returns to the victim and stabs him again, and then once again turns and walks away. So I guess the killer was, for lack of a better term, yeah, he's double-checking his work, making sure that the victim was dead before leaving the scene of this bizarro attack. Or if you want to think of it in more of a sadistic term, I mean, maybe he just wanted the feeling again. I mean, he, he leaves so calmly, it's, again, a pile of bizarre. After all of the security camera footage leads, after all of those, if they provided any leads at all, after they dried up, this case starts to get a little chilly for the investigators. Now, we have days and then weeks that go by without an arrest. 
police really don't seem to have much to go on here in this case. People, friends and neighbors of McChristian put together a reward for anyone who can provide information leading to an arrest. So they collect and put together a $10,000 reward for their friend, hoping to drum up some tips that may lead to the suspect and, and make an arrest in this, in this, what seems to be a totally random stabbing, cutting attack in the middle of the night. It looks like in this situation, even with that reward money, that we may still be waiting on the right tip to come in. But things in the great city of Little Rock go from bad to worse. It was just 30 days later, Captain, or 30 nights later, I should say. This is when the Little Rock Police Department, they're responding to a subject down call. The call comes in at 2.57 a.m. This is this time it's Little Rock Police Department's 54th district responding. They are on location about two minutes after the call comes in. So roughly a two minute response time. Very good response time. We have a male victim who is down. There's been some kind of violent knife attack. The suspect is gone. When police arrive, heck, the suspect was gone when the person calling it in arrived and found the victim already down. So this location is the 4200 block of West 12th Street in Little Rock. Police at the scene, they're at the scene very quickly because this violent attack takes place just two blocks from the Little Rock Police Department's West 12th Street substation. So either the killer A, does not care that there's a strong police presence in the area, or B, does not know. When they arrive, they being police, they quickly make contact with the person who called 911. And this time, the 911 caller is identified to the public. This is Mr. Taggart Jr. It sounds like Mr. Taggart is houseless. Longtime listeners of the show will get that one. Taggart was looking for a place to get out of the stormy weather. This was a particularly wet period for Little Rock. There are lots of rain in the month of September 2020 for Little Rock. So Mr. Taggart's trying to find a place to give himself a little bit of shelter. He is going to a location where he believes his friend would be. Now, when he arrives at this location and finds his friend, who he knows only by a nickname, his friend that he finds goes by the name Old School. So he finds Old School down, and Old School's not breathing. He's lying on a front porch, or what is being described as the front porch, with obvious visible signs of trauma. The victim, Old School, has various puncture wounds on his neck. Of course, the homicide unit is called in immediately after police get to the scene and see what's going on and talk with Mr. Taggart, the 911 caller. But he just finds his friend. He doesn't see the attack go down. Correct. He does not see the attack. He doesn't see anybody fleeing the scene. Again, it sounds like we have a situation where this attack went down, and unfortunately, this this man, old school, may have been lying there for a period of time before 
anybody found him and he's discovered by his friend. After the autopsy is conducted, the medical examiner conclusively rules the death a homicide and later fingerprints would identify our victim old school. Remember, Mr. Taggart does not know his friend's real name. The fingerprints will identify our victim old school as that of 62-year-old Jeff Welch. Now, oddly enough, even though we're given the description that old school Jeff Welch is found down, unresponsive, not breathing on the front porch, Little Rock Police Department have no address that's listed for Mr. Jeff Welch. So it's possibly not his front porch. Yes, and based off of some of the other reports I have read, Welch may have been houseless just like his friend who found him. It's very sad. Very sad. So to call it a front porch could mean this could be an abandoned house or abandoned building. It also could just be some type of overhang or some type of shelter that they're going under and it's just misreported as a front porch. Now, we do know the area where this took place, the 4200 block of West 12th Street. We don't have an exact address, which makes it a little bit difficult, but this is a very populated area of the city. There's lots of houses and and single-family homes in this area, so it would stand to reason that this is either a house that's not being occupied or an apartment that is not being occupied in this area of the city. But we have no other eyewitnesses that saw the attack or saw anybody coming or going from the crime scene. Exactly. And one thing I do want to really hone in on while we're talking about location here and where our victim is found and where Uh, his friend is going to find because his friend says that he goes, I was seeking shelter. I was going to where I knew my friend was. He would, he would let me stay either with him or, you know, in the area with him so that I wouldn't have to sleep in the rain tonight. One key thing that I think is of interest to, or should be of interest to the investigators is remember no address is listed for the victim, Jeff Welch, and no address is listed for, his friend, Mr. Taggart and police would know this from talking with Mr. Taggart, but this is not something that I've seen in any of the reports, but I suspect may be the situation. I believe that there's a good chance if Mr. Taggart knew where to find his friend old school, who he didn't even know his real name, but he knew where to find him. So it would stand a reason that Jeff Welch, a.k.a. Old School, may have been known to use this location as shelter or was was staying there overnight on a regular basis in, in this spot where he is found dead and using as it as shelter. Yeah, basically what you're saying is that this leans towards the idea that the, this wasn't just random. It could totally be random. The, the attacker could just be passing by and spots this guy and decides to attack him. But also, if this guy was known to be there, which we we can we can deduce that immediately from his friend's statement going, I went to this location because I knew my friend would be there. It's just like when you see, unfortunately, you see somebody who's sleeping under an overpass or sleeping in a tent on on in, in a park somewhere. And you know that they are always there. They are there night after night until the police kick them out or, or tell them to move along or, or what have you. 
But you do see this, and we do know that the victim's friend believed he would find his friend in this location. So that makes me wonder, because what we're going to be told later by police is that these seem to be completely random attacks. I'm not going to argue that, but I'm pointing out this to me is a breadcrumb that this this particular attack may not be so random. And the other crazy thing here, too, Captain, is we talked. So, right, we talked already about the passage of time when we gave the dates of these two attacks. The the dates between these two very similar blade attacks resulting both, resulting in homicides. They're just 30 nights apart. So scary close in time. Scary close in distance as well. Just 3.1 miles walking the streets between where these two murders take place and even closer as the crow flies. Cheers, mates. Cheers to you, Colonel. Cheers to you, Captain. Cheers to everybody out there, especially the people in the back. You know, I have have yeah. much love for the people in the back. After Jeff Welch was attacked and killed, for a period of time here, Captain, we don't see any more, or at least we don't have anything reported that would say, hey, these two similar attacks, they, they keep seeming to take place. Right. But unfortunately, that would not stay that way for good. This brings us to the new year in our timeline. It's now 2021. And let's not all forget how much 2020 sucked. And we were all looking forward to the new year of 2021. Yeah, sucked eggs. So 2021 was going to be the year that we came out of COVID. And we're going to come out of this thing with our heads held high. In Little Rock, and as far as this case is concerned, maybe people were starting to become a little less fearful about the knife attacks that were in the news and the murders that we just discussed. But you have to wonder about the people that walked in the same or similar circles to that of our last victim, right? A a person experiencing homelessness. What were they saying? What were they hearing at the time? You know, rumors happen in these circles, whatever that would be most likely either changed or was ramped up in the month of April, 2021, because this is when we have 43 year old Deborah Walker. She's attacked at 1906 South Pulaski street. This time police are responding to what they're calling a cutting in progress call. That comes in at 3.33 a.m. Once again, we have Little Rock Police Department District 52 responding to the call and responding very quickly. They find the victim down, and again, they find no suspect in sight. Miss Walker was stabbed 15 times and left to bleed out. 
Jesus. But she is alive when they find her. So she is able to communicate with the officers and tell them what happened to her, or at least will tell them at some point. She says that she was walking at the intersection of 19th and Marshall when a black male approached her. She stated that he started stabbing her with a knife. She said the attacker left very quickly, but he traveled in an unknown direction, unknown to her victim. She was able to walk to where she was found. So we should note something here for the listeners, Captain. This spot where she's found by the officers, this is about two and a half blocks away. So the address to which the officers respond to and where they find Miss Walker is two and a half blocks from where the attack actually took place. Right. So she's attacked and stabbed and manages to make it all of this way. Do we have the reason why she was walking this early in the morning? Well, there there's some concerns about the victimology here in this case. And I, I think that, that when we look at some of the problems with the investigation, it's my belief that the problems with the investigation may not be, may not solely rest on the shoulders of our great women and men in law enforcement. I think that the lifestyle of some of our victims, and I'm not victim blaming here. Well, it sounds like it. Well, but the lifestyle of our victims, and mm-hmm. I will I, I will come and be their champion here later uh, in our coverage of this case, I promise you. But Well, we look forward to you patting yourself on the back. We, we see this time and time again in cases like this mm-hmm. where uh, where we have this type of victim, sometimes they are either up to no good themselves on a much, a much, much smaller scale, of course, than these yeah. homicides and these right. knife attacks that we're talking about, but, or they've had bad experiences with law enforcement and they're not so forthcoming with everything. She could have simply been out wandering the streets that night. We need to point out here too, unfortunately, with our latest victim, with Miss Walker, God bless, she survived. But she, too, is listed as having no address. I think what you're trying to say as far as victimology, too, is like, well, one, the first victim, we don't know why he was so far from his house. Mm-hmm. And is it possible that he was out that late at night looking for shelter, looking for a place to stay? Again, our second victim same scenario is he out late at night looking for a place to take cover third victim is she out there late at night looking for a place to take cover you know that those early hours of the morning it's not a not a safe time to be out especially not when there's somebody basically hunting during that time. Right. Not with this monster on the loose and hunting in the area. And it's reported that these attacks, all of the ones that we are going to discuss here today, according to little rock police department, they all took place in what they would refer to as the most dangerous area of the city. And I think that there are some things that are confusing about the details of this attack in particular, but in all fairness, the report states that Mrs. Walker 
Miss Walker was awake when police arrived, but very hard to understand. And they even put in the report that she would not answer the officer's questions. Now, that could be she could not due to the nature of her injuries or was unwilling to for some unknown reason. We see this again. We see this a lot in some of these types of cases, and we can get into that more when we take a look at the victimology here in this case. Miss Walker is quickly transported to the hospital, and thankfully, the medics are able to save her life. I'm stating it that way because often these medical personnel, especially the ones responding to calls and out in the streets, they just don't get enough credit. So here they will get some regardless of the conflicting reports that come out about this particular attack. And what are those conflicting reports, you ask? Well, it's the discrepancy in the severity of the wounds to Miss Walker. About half of the reports out there state that she was stabbed or cut 15 times. Others state more than 15 times and left to bleed out. While other reports state multiple stab and cut wounds, but the wounds were not life-threatening at all. I guess maybe both could be true on on many levels, uh, depending on perspective. But regardless of the severity of her wounds, we have two great things that happen here. Right. First and foremost, Deborah Walker survives. Right. Secondly, she is able to provide Little Rock Police Department with a description of the attack and of the perpetrator as well. Two things that we did not have in the first two homicides. Yes, we got lucky and we caught a little bit of surveillance footage in the first one. But here we have firsthand a firsthand knowledge, somebody that can tell us what happened, how the attack went down and what the attacker looked like and maybe even what he acted like. Well, and what this is also going to be good for too, is we have these three attacks and because we do have some surveillance footage based on what she tells us, we're going to be able to look at that footage and go, is this the same killer? Right. Right. Because we're, At first, you may have given the proximity of time and proximity of location in the first two attacks and the similar nature of the attack itself and the weapon used and the result of those attacks. You can have this speculation and these suspicions amongst law enforcement that maybe these two attacks were committed by the same perpetrator or perpetrators, but now you have confirmation. Right. You you have right. maybe not 100 percent, but you have her describing it, an attack that that plays out very similar to what they saw on that surveillance camera footage on the security camera footage. And then you have the attack in the middle that unfortunately resulted in a homicide. And it's all the same wounds. It's it's same nature, same same death instrument is used essentially in, in that attack as well. Well, what are some of those details of her account? Right. Captain, of course, the, the thing that helps so much, right. We have her description, but one thing that helps so much in Deborah Walker's case is that someone called this in very quickly while she's still awake. She's still conscious, right? 
And then we have the added factor that Little Rock Police Department is able to respond to this call very quickly once again. And here is what what we get. Deborah Walker was quickly located by law enforcement and medical technicians. Walker was rushed by ambulance to the UAMS Medical Center. At the hospital, she managed to survive her injuries, as we said. During questioning, Miss Walker said that she was walking in the area of 19th and Marshall Streets when she was approached by a stranger, so somebody she does not know, who pulled out a knife and stabbed her without provocation. According to her description, the attacker appeared to be a young black male with a slender build and standing over six feet tall. This is the third attack, believed to be the third attack in the series, and it happened on April 11, which is over six months from the believed to be connected second attack. So, so much more time has elapsed between attack two and three. Right. So attack one to two is roughly a 30 day window. And from attack two to three is a six months. Yeah. And what, what we have here too, is this location of the third attack. So the location of attack number three is 19th and Marshall. So this is less than two and a half miles from the previous attack. So it's really starting to look like someone has a comfort zone. Well, and here's what's crazy is what we do know from the surveillance footage and her account is this guy has a slender build. Okay. Check, check. And he's above six foot tall. Check, check. It's most likely the same dude. Yep. And given the description that she provides dressed very similarly to what they saw on the security camera footage from the first attack. Now, one thing that's of interest to me here, Captain, and people might think that this is a little strange, but hear me out for a second. We Mm -hmm. go from one month between the first two attacks to then six months from attack two to three. Right. Is this something as weird as a, it's a warm weather thing, Hmm. right? Or, or or are these attacks simply triggered uncontrollably and it's just happenstance that it's taking place in the warmer months in Little Rock, Arkansas? September would be a warmer month. In April, things are starting to heat up again. We're coming out of the winter time. Is this something? I, I, I know there's people out there asking a warm weather thing. What are you talking about? But we are discussing attacks that, as far as the police are telling us, every attack, murder that they have linked together took place outside, right. out in the streets of Little Rock. Is this individual, and we see this in, in a lot of serial cases, a lot of times we are talking about an offender who is attacking and killing people that run in similar circles, while the victim may be unknown to the perpetrator before the attack. And while the attacker may be unknown to the victims, a lot of times they're attacking people and killing people that are amongst their same walks of life. So is this person a street person themselves? Right. Or is it simply that this person is not experiencing homelessness is not houseless as we like to joke here in the garage and 
they're not they're they're not going out and deciding to hunt on the streets until it's comfortable for them. They don't want to do it in the cold months. If we're law enforcement, also what can we deduce from this security footage? We see no vehicle. We have no eyewitnesses that see, sees this murderer without a vehicle or with a vehicle. So it makes you wonder, is this guy going around and hunting this area on foot? And it would be much more comfortable to do that in the warmer months of the year. Yeah. Or do they even have a license? How old is this individual? We're, we're not very certain about that. This is difficult for me, how old this individual is, because we do have our victim, Miss Walker, who survives, and she does describe her attacker as appearing to be a young African-American male, slender in build, standing over six feet tall. And when I look at the images that have been put out from law enforcement about the first attack, right. I'm seeing the same thing as as what she is describing. Yeah, when I see that that footage, if I had to guess, I'd be guessing that this killer is under the age of 30. Okay, Captain, this is going to lead us very, very quickly, unfortunately, into attack number four. This takes place the next day or the next night, however you want to phrase it. Again, the second attack happened one month from the first six months from attack number two to three, and then 27 hours from attack number three to number four. Right. So the next day after Miss Walker survives the attack by our serial offender, our serial killer, the next day officers were called out at 6.30 a.m. This is to 2710 Wright Avenue. There, they find 40-year-old Marlon Franklin, and it's reported by police that he is suffering from serious injuries. Unfortunately, Marlon Franklin was pronounced dead at the scene by medical personnel. It's unclear to me his exact state when they found him. He may have, unfortunately, already passed by the time police arrived on scene. Right. We don't get those details. What we do, what we can, what we can report based off of the reports we're seeing is that if he was still alive, clinging to life, when the officers arrived on the scene, he was not able to tell them anything or provide any information as far as who attacked him. Yeah. If I'm a detective working these cases, isn't the first thing that goes through your mind that he knows this, that this this murderer knows what's going on. He's following this. And if he finds out that his third victim didn't die, that's almost like, well, I got it. It doesn't count unless I actually kill somebody. So I need to go back out, go hunting again. And as horrific as that is, I'm glad you said that because I suspect and I believe that a lot of people suspect that that is exactly what we have here. Well, let me just tell you, the days of me holding back are, are they're over. So I'm not worried about everybody's feelings about everything. Like, this is a sick son of a bitch, and you know this as much as I do. This guy needs to be caught. You know, this guy, we need to take this serious. You know, because think about, think about 
how crazy of an individual that has to be to go, well, I attacked this lady, whether he knew her name or not, follows up in the paper or on TV, probably only gets so much information, so then has to go around the neighborhood to get some more information. What are the local rumblings? What are the rumors? Oh, she's going to live? I got to go back out tonight. I mean, that is, that's a scary individual. Well, and you say if he's following the case, you know, if he's living in a house somewhere, following the case in the newspaper, watching the news, then yes, he's following the case. We could also have a situation where he is homeless himself and hears the, the word on the street. Right. Right. Or. We do know that the victim in the third attack was able to flee the scene themselves. Does he flee the scene, turn around and realize, oh, she, she, she was in much better shape than I expected right. when I left. Regardless of how that goes down, we just kind of count our blessings that Deborah Walker survived. Now, back to this fourth attack here. This was a subject down call as well. We have Little Rock Police Department's District 53 responding to this call, Officer Henderson, on the scene within just one minute of the call coming into emergency services. Jesus. Again, this shares similarities to all of the previous attacks. The victim is down when the officer arrives. There's no suspect in sight. The victim is suffering from serious injuries and then quickly pronounced dead. Marlon Franklin is listed as having no known address, and it's stated that he is homeless in the report. We talked about a comfort zone for this attacker, for this murderer. This address is just one mile from the previous night's attack of Deborah Walker. If you look this up on on the map of Little Rock, it's literally down the street from where Miss Walker was attacked 27 hours prior to the call coming in about Marlon Franklin being dead or dying there in front of this address. Now, I do not believe that race has any real significance to the slasher's motives. However, I do believe that there's a chance that it could play a part in how you could identify the killer how we could identify who's responsible for these attacks. So having said that, some things that are different in our victimology here is the first two victims attacked and killed successfully by the slasher were both older white men, both in their 60s. The third attack, again, unsuccessful. Thankfully, Miss Walker survived. We have a white female in her 40s. The fourth attack, Mr. Marlon Franklin, He unfortunately does not survive. Franklin is an African-American male listed at 40 years of age. So much more to get to. Come out. Join us April 29th for my birthday bash. Information and tickets on our website at truecrimegarage.com. And until tomorrow, be good, be kind, and don't litter.